It's okay to clap. Thank you, guys. Let, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for your love, for your mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Um, Lord, thank you for loving us in ways that just really hard for us to comprehend. Sacrificial love is just not something that you see a lot. And of course, the sacrifice that you've offered for us through your son, Jesus, it's just tremendous. We're grateful for it. And we remember the birth of Jesus and the coming of our Savior, especially this time of year. And it's a sweet time of year in most ways, and we're grateful for it. Lord, before our message today, we we pray for all of those who are on our sick list that are printed in a bulletin. Um, You know the names, but of course you know the needs that are represented there. And Lord, it's a big list, and that list just seems to keep growing, and you know what the needs are that are represented there. We're grateful for doctors and modern medicine, but ultimately we trust you as the great physician. Um, Now we pray that you would open up our ears to be able to hear your message today, open our, our minds that we could understand it, and of course our hearts that we would apply it to our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen? All right. It's, uh, it's good to see you guys this morning. Good morning. Everybody feeling good? You woke up this morning excited about being in church, and uh, you're like, ah, oh, we don't care about the music, man. The message is so good. No? You weren't thinking that? Yeah, you guys, are, you're lying now. You're just trying to make me feel good. All right. Sorry for being so cheap there. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, open it up or turn it on and go to Genesis chapter 40. That's where we're going to pick up today in our series called The Life Lessons of Joseph. And uh, also, if you'll find your worship bulletin, reach inside of it, take out your message notes. Uh, the scripture passage, Genesis 40, is printed there for you so that you can follow along if you don't have your Bible with you. Also, the scriptures are going to be on the screens behind me. And uh, let, let me tell you this as well. If you're here today and you don't have a copy of the Bible of your own, we'd love to give you one. So as you leave today, just go by the information table. You'll see a couple stacks of Bibles, I think one on, on each table. Just pick one up and take it with you. You don't have to ask for it. They, they are there for you. They're free to you. And, uh, and then, of course, if you're a first-time guest with us, be sure to pick up a copy of our book, Unshakable standing strong when things go wrong. So, Joseph. Now, now just in case you're, you're, you're just getting into the series with us this morning, uh, I, I want to give you just a little bit of background about Joseph. And uh, th- this will just be a, a reminder maybe to some, but again, for some of us, it, it catches us up. Joseph is the 11th of 12 sons. I mean, just think about that, ladies. Now, that's a lot of boys, right? And and you would think that maybe first, second, or third son would be the favored son, but not in this family. In this family, Joseph, even though he's number 11, he is the favored son. Now, all of his brothers have the same father, Jacob. 
but there are at least four different mothers. Now, we understand the concept of stepbrothers and sisters, but listen, all of these stepbrothers and sisters, now the, the sisters don't fit that prominently in the story, so they're not mentioned much, but there, there are sisters, all of the brothers, all of the sisters with one dad and at least four moms are all living in the same home. Hmm. Interesting family dynamics. I'm not just saying they all get along, and they don't, by the way. But man, you know what this is? This is not only, only a big family, this is an extremely dysfunctional family. Because you have all of these people living in the same house, and let me tell you what happens. Let me, and I don't have to explain this because some of you know, not that you have exactly the same situation, but what happens here because Jacob plays favorites, and again, Joseph is his favorite. He creates tremendous competition between these children. And they, they become bitter, and uh, hatred even comes out of them. In fact, most of their anger and their hatred is focused in on Joseph. Their, their hatred for him grows to the point that they decide to get rid of him. They plotted at first to kill him, then decided against that, and sold him to slave traders who took Joseph down to Egypt where he is sold at a slave market to a leading official in Egypt named Potiphar who was, he, he's the captain of the guard, but that probably means he's the chief executioner. And so when you're looking at the story that begins in Genesis 37, you think, man, this story just keeps going downhill. It gets worse and worse and worse. But listen, all along the way, you have to know this. All along the way, God was with Joseph. And while he's in Potiphar's house, even though he's a slave, God blesses him. And not only does he bless Joseph, he blesses Potiphar. He blessed Potiphar for the sake of Joseph. And it became obvious to Potiphar, this man who worshipped probably many Egyptian gods, realized that Joseph... He worshiped the true and living God, and he recognized that God's hand of blessing was on Joseph because everything in his home was growing. He put Joseph in charge of everything in his house except his wife, which comes out in Genesis 39. He put him in charge of his business affairs, and everything is just booming. It's not an ideal situation, but when you're reading through the story, you sort of think, well, yeah, he could probably live like this. This is not, this is not bad. He's the number two man in Potiphar's home. Yes, he's, he's property. He, he's owned, but he, he's on the inside. He lives in the house. He's, he's in charge of things. He's eating well. He's probably got decent living quarters. I mean, it's not a bad situation. He probably even felt like things were going okay. Not ideal, but Okay. Until Potiphar's wife began to notice Joseph. And she made certain advances on him. And after Joseph had refused her advances, she falsely accused him of rape. 
and he was thrown into prison. In fact, when our story picks up today, Joseph is in prison where he thinks he's going to spend the rest of his life. Don't you know that there had to be a moment, maybe many moments, but there had to be at least one moment where Joseph is thinking, how did I get here? How did I get here? It it seems like just yesterday, I I was 17 years old, a boy, happy-go-lucky, living the good life, the favored son, hanging out with my brothers, watering and feeding uh, my father's flocks. The next thing I know, I'm in a pit. Then I'm being led away by slave traders, sold in Egypt, in Potiphar's home, things are starting to look up for me, and now here I am in this Egyptian prison, and I'm going to rot here for the rest of my life. Don't you know there were moments where he said, how did this happen? Have you ever had those moments? Maybe you had a a time in your life where you're thinking, "How how did I get here? I mean, a year ago, Things were going up and to the right on the chart of my life. Things seemed to be fine. I was married, I thought happily, raising kids, doing life with my family. And now today, I'm divorced and alone. How did this happen? Maybe, maybe your story's more like, how did I get here? You know, one day I've got a great job, a career. Think I'm going to be able to retire here. Life is pretty good. Bills are paid, little extra. And now today I don't have a job. I'm trying to start over and I'm 55 years old. Now, I don't, I don't know what the situation might be for your life, but let me tell you, we've all had moments like that. We've all had times like that where we've gone through something really hard, and you're trying to figure out, how, how did this happen? Let me tell you what comes with events like that. You start asking yourself, where is God? I mean, Joseph grew up in in a dysfunctional home, but hey, who of us didn't? To some degree. But he grew up in a God-fearing home. He knew about God. He he trusted in God. He had to ask at some point, "How, how did you let me get here, God? How does this even happen? I'm doing my best to honor you. And here I am in this mess. Most of us have had moments like that. Crisis of unbelief. 
I mean, you know that God is real and you know he's there. You just can't see him. And so you, you question if he's really there or not. Let, let me tell you what Joseph learned. And then, then we'll get into the passage and, and unpack more of this. But Joseph learned that God was with him. Joseph had to be the one who told this story to someone. I mean, that ha- that's how we have this. Th- there's, there's not a prison recorder. We have to know this because Joseph so- told someone the story so that the historian could write this down. And, and you see this dropped in every so often in the story, especially in chapter 39, where it says, and God was with Joseph, God was with Joseph, God was with Joseph. That's Joseph talking. God is saying, or Joseph is saying, God was with me. I didn't understand everything that was going on. I didn't know how to make sense of my brother selling me into slavery. I didn't know how to make sense of being put into this prison falsely. I didn't know it then, but let me tell you something. Looking back over my life, I see that God was with me. And as we unpack the story, there's, there's not one verse that I can point to to say, ah, there it is right there. That's the moment where he realized that the hand of God was in his life leading him, guiding him, and directing him. But just in his actions, you can see it. And so I want to say this to you. When you're in a situation in life and it is wills off, your wills have run off, You want to know where God's at? He's sitting with you on the side of the road. God does not walk away from his people. He doesn't abandon us. God has a plan and he works that plan. You just have to have faith like Joseph and trust in him. Let's see what that looks like in Genesis 40. You guys with me? Everybody's wide awake. If you're not wide awake, you need to lean forward. If you lean back, you'll go to sleep. And if you lean back and go to sleep, somebody might put a bulletin in your mouth or a pen in your mouth, so you never know. No, I'm just kidding. Jeff, you be watching for guys that are sleeping. You handle it. All right, here we go. Genesis 40, verse 1. Sometime later, we don't know how much later, when the story starts in Genesis 37, Joseph is 17. He's probably in his early 20s here. But sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh and the king of Egypt are used interchangeably. But they're the same person. They mean the same thing. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials. And on the surface, you might be thinking, officials? It's it's the guy that holds a cup for the king. And a baker. Well, hang on, hang on. Pharaoh was angry at his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. And remember, that's like a dungeon. People who are put in this prison are usually there either till they are executed or for life. It was in the same prison where Joseph was confined. 
The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. Let let me give you a life principle here. There there are several that I'm going to point out along the way, but here's here's the first one. When, when we go through dark times in our lives, when we go through big struggles, very often God will put people in our lives. Maybe it's people, but, but usually God will put at least one person into our life that can relate to the pain we're experiencing. Now, these men are in prison with Joseph, for different reasons, and at least one of them is guilty, but one of them is not. But even though they are there under different circumstances, they certainly can relate to the pain that Joseph is experiencing living in this this Egyptian dungeon. One of the reasons why I, I think we struggle seeing God when things are not going right in our lives. Because can we admit that when things are good in life, we don't have a hard time seeing God? When everything's good, we're like, oh yeah, there's God. He's just all over this stuff. But when you're going through something that's bad, when you get a terrible diagnosis, when the roof caves in, it gets harder to find God. And the reason I think that is is because we're, we're looking for an angel to step into our situation. We're we're waiting for the skies to crack open and a supernatural being plop down into the middle of our lives. But I'll tell you something, I'll tell you something. Most often, God comes to speak to us and minister to us by sending someone into our lives who can relate to the pain that we are experiencing that understands what it's like when you go through a divorce that you didn't want or even one that you did want. And then at the end of all that process, you feel like you're broken up and you're cracked up and you're damaged property that you'll, you'll never be happy again. You'll, you'll never feel whole. Lots of times, God sends somebody into our lives that they relate to that pain. They understand what it feels like. Maybe, maybe they're not going through that circumstance at that moment, but they've been through it and they relate to it and, and they can help with it. These guys come into, into the prison with Joseph, his, his cellmates, and Joseph begins to attend to them. One of the things I, I think we have to do when we're in a bad situation is we have to learn how to make the best of a bad situation. And Joseph starts doing that immediately when he's thrown into this prison. You can see that if you go back to Genesis 39 or around the 21st or 20, yeah, around verse 21, maybe verses 21 to 23, he becomes the right-hand man to the warden. He's making the best of a bad situation. You know what most of us do? If we're just being honest, most of us throw a pity party. How many of you have ever thrown a pity party? Just raise your hand. 
If you're holding your hand up, keep it up. Keep it up just for a minute. Look at the people who don't have their hand up. They are lying. They're lying. They wouldn't raise their hand if I, if I asked, hey, if you want a $100 bill, raise your hand. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been through something difficult in life where they had the woe is me, self-pity kind of party. And I'll be honest with you, I think that's natural. I think it's normal. I think it's okay for a while, but you can't live there. If you live there, you grow bitter and angry, and that stops your life. That keeps you from going forward in your life. What Joseph has decided is, okay, I'm here. I'm going to make the best of it. This is one of the places where I would say to you that Joseph has recognized that his life now is not just left up to karma. He's not living life by a printed sheet that comes inside of your newspaper called a horoscope. He's not living life by um, fortune cookies. He has started looking at the events of his life and and because he has faith in God and he trusts in God, he sees now the seen hand of God leading him, guiding him, and directing him. And when these men come in, they need someone to attend to them, and Joseph sees that as an opportunity, and he makes the best of his opportunities, even in a terrible situation. That's one of the things that you do. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. Why would he go to them in the morning? Because he's the go-to guy for the warden. Bed checks and things like that, that's a part, that's a part of his everyday Responsibility. So he goes to them and he sees that they are dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in the master's house, why do you look so sad today? Now, my reaction every time I read this is, who cares? If you're Joseph, who cares? Well, Joseph, why do you care? I mean, you've got your own bad situation here to worry about. Why why are you worried about someone else's bad situation? Why do you care that they look dejected? Why do you care that they woke up this morning on the wrong side of the bed? Why does it matter? I'll tell you why. Because Joseph's heart is right with God. He trusts God He has faith in God, and because of that, he's able to care about the needs of other people. One of the best ways to get out of the doldrums of life 
One of the best ways to help you start making the best of a bad situation is to focus on other people and not just yourself. I saw where a friend of mine had posted on Facebook in the last day or so, I'm just having trouble getting into the Christmas spirit. You know why that happens a lot of times? I would say most of the time, if not all the time, it's because you're thinking about yourself in Christmas. You'll start thinking about other people and worrying about the needs of other people. You'll find the Christmas spirit. Because Joseph's heart is right with God, he, he's able to look at these men. And Joseph, Joseph assumes he's going to rot in that prison. But these men, they face a, an, an execution. You know why? The, the cupbearer and the baker are officials to the king because they have extremely important jobs. The, the cupbearer is the food manager for the Pharaoh. He's in charge of making sure that the, it's the, the right food, that it's good food. He, he wanted to make the, the Pharaoh happy with this food, but probably his biggest responsibility is to make sure that someone doesn't poison the king's food in an assassination attempt. Now, it's not exactly spelled out for us here in the story, but what is inferred is that there has been an assassination attempt on the Pharaoh, and the two men, if they didn't do it, they had to be a part of it because nothing gets past the cupbearer, and the baker is responsible for every piece of food or every bite of food that goes into the king's mouth. So it has to be among these guys. The reason that Pharaoh doesn't execute them right away is because he, they want to see how deep the plot goes and who's really responsible. But one of them, if not both of them, is facing an execution. And Joseph is able to say, you know what? My situation is bad, but it's not that bad. These guys have it even worse than I do. Let me tell you something. If you start looking at the people around you and focusing on their needs, you know what happens? You realize that other people have it just as bad as you or worse. Now, that doesn't make your problem or your situation any less important to God. But I'm telling you that from your perspective, when you look at the needs of other people, it changes the way you see your own. I, ha I had an experience like that uh, this week. I was at a, a local uh, grocery store, ha had to pick up some essentials in life, salsa and sour cream. And I was, I was thinking about a couple things and uh, probably pouting about it just a little bit, okay? Anybody in here pout? Feel like raising your hand? It's okay, you can just smile at me. That covers everybody. Feeling a little bit sorry for myself? For no reason. It's silly. I didn't even want to tell you what, but it was, it was just silly. I, I knew it then, I know it now. That's why I was having the conversation with me, not everybody else. But I was standing, I was standing in the checkout line. There was one lady in front of me. And whatever the item was she was buying, I think it was chips, but I wasn't really paying attention until I started 
uh, until I, I heard part of the conversation. Then I started paying attention. And whatever the, the, the chips were, they were buy one, get two free. They, they were like, it, the coupon was three for the price of one. But she only had one. And the lady at the checkout said, oh, these are three for one. Go back and get your other two. And she said, I can't. I don't have room for them. And the lady said, well, uh, we can fill up the buggy, and I can have one of, one of our, uh, I don't remember what she called them. I called them bag boys back in the day when we were not so PC. Um, I, I can have one of the guys take them out to you. She said, no, that's not it. She said, we don't have extra room for them in the car. Oh, are you traveling? No, we live in the car. All four of us. There's not any extra room for a couple extra bags of chips. We're trying to get them some help. So set that part aside for just a minute. Whatever I was pouting about was nothing like what this lady's dealing with. And in and, and, and your bad situation, when you've been treated unfairly, when the roof of your life is caved in, if, if you'll get out of the pity party and start looking at people around you and what they're dealing with, you, you'll find that people have it just as bad, again, if not even worse than you do. Verse 8, we both had dreams, they answered but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Now, I, I think this is one of those verses that you can, you can read and just sort of gloss right over, but it's so important. We can't just gloss over it. it, it it's important. Let me tell you something. If I'm in, if I'm in prison, if I'm in prison, I'm thinking every day about somebody who can bake me a cake and put a saw in it and sneak it in. Every day, I'm watching Alcatraz to try to figure out how Clint Eastwood tunneled out of Alcatraz. Every day, I'm thinking about how do I get out of here? And you know that thought has crossed Joseph's mind a time or two. And this seems like the perfect opportunity for Joseph to inject himself into his own situation. Oh, oh dreams, those are my specialties. I, I can handle dreams. I, I'm the guy who interprets dreams. I'm valuable. I should not even be in here. I, I, I can interpret these dreams. And I would have figured out how can that be a bargaining tool for me to get out of here? Not Joseph. Joseph points everything to God for his glory, even in prison, even in this terrible situation. He points everything toward God. Oh, yeah, my God, he, he gives him dreams, uh, or he gives dreams and he gives interpretations of dreams. 
So the chief cupbearer, verse 9, told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head symbolically. You know, you know his, he's downtrodden. He's going to lift your head up and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to when you were the cupbearer. In other words, God is going to restore you. And I love these next two verses because Joseph, while he's a good man, shows us that he's not a perfect man. But when all goes well for you, because Joseph knows this guy's going to be restored and he's going to be right there again, standing in front of the Pharaoh, giving him his, giving him his wine, giving him his food. He's, he's got an important position. So when all goes well for you, remember me and show kindness Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. And then this part of it's heartbreaking because you, you, you can tell, and may, maybe you haven't been able to tell so much so far, that this is tough on Joseph. You, you hear the frustration and the hurt, if not the anger in his voice. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. I don't deserve this. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given him a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. Help help me out. I had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Makes me think of Alfred Hitchcock and and the birds. This is what it means, Joseph said. Three baskets are three days. So far, so good. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head. Not lift it up. Not U-P-O-F-F. It's coming off, as in separated from your shoulders. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. That's not the the message you get excited about giving to someone. We want to be able to give people positive news. Sometimes the news just is what it is. So let me tell you this. You already know it. Life's not fair. This life is not ever going to be fair. I mean, we can try as communities, as, as a nation, as a, as a people group, as human beings to make it as fair as possible, but things are never going to be completely fair. You're going to be disappointed in life. Do you hear me? You're going to be disappointed. People are going to let you down. 
People make promises to each other they fully intend to keep, but don't. People get sick and die when they're too young. Not every marriage ends like a fairy tale. Here's a big dose of reality and unfairness. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. We're gonna make a big deal out of this. And this is not really unusual because kings had a way. uh, There's been an assassination attempt here. He's gonna show everybody around him what happens when you try to kill the king. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But, but he impaled the chief baker. Just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Sad for the baker. But if you're Joseph, you've got to be thinking, okay, all right. I've already talked to this guy. He knows knows I'm in here for the wrong reasons. When my cellmate gets out, he's gonna go start pleading my case and my innocence before everybody. And then time drags on. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years. And somewhere along the way, the disappointment of the reality sinks in. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. But God did not. God did not forget Joseph. And things truly began to to change gears, to go in a different direction in Genesis 41. But Joseph's gonna be stuck in this prison for the next two years. How does he make it through that? Because he's learned to trust in God. He has put his faith in God. When he's in Potiphar's house and everything is going good, he trusts in God. When he's in this prison, in this dungeon, rotting away, he trusts in God. What's he trusting in? That God has a plan that God is working his plan. And Joseph just keeps taking every opportunity God puts in front of him. He keeps moving forward according to his faith in God's plan. 
And that's what I encourage you to do. Let's pray together. Would you stand with me? Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me say that some of us in the room are thinking, yeah, wow, this makes sense. I I get this. Trust in God. God has a plan. That, That makes perfect sense to us because somewhere along the way, we have put our faith and trust in Christ. We have a personal relationship with God. But if you're sitting here today thinking, I'd plans, trust, faith. I, I, don't, I don't get all that. Well, what is that even about? It, it's probably because you've never taken the first step of faith and trust, which is to put your faith and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. So if you've never taken that step, would you consider taking it this morning? And if you will, I'd like for you to pray with me right now. You don't have to say these words out loud. You can say them in your heart and in your mind. Our God is the God who hears us when we speak to him, even in our heart and mind. Just say something to him like this. God, today I am trusting your son Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, I recognize in my life that I'm broken that things aren't working right in my life. I recognize things are not working right in the world. And so I need to be helped. I need to be fixed. I need to be saved from my sins and brokenness. So Jesus, in the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to be the boss and manager of my life. I want to follow and live by your plan, not by my plan. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit to help me to grow and take important next steps in my faith. Jesus, thank you for loving me and saving me. It's in your name that we pray. Lord, let me now pray for those who are here this morning that feel forgotten and hurt and alone. Mistreated, abused. Lord, I pray for their comfort through your peace that comes by your presence. The message of Christmas is that you sent a solution to our broken world. The solution is Jesus Christ. Help us all now to trust him greater and greater. It's in his name that we pray. And those who agreed said, 
Amen. I love you guys. Have, have a great week. We're going we're gonna to sing one last song together, and then Jeff will dismiss us from the stage. But if you prayed today and invited Jesus into your heart and life, take your connection card that Donnie talked about at the beginning of the service, fill it out, and then somewhere on the front or the back, just write a B on it. Then on your way out today, we'll have ushers at the doors, and uh, you can drop your connection card in there. Thank you for giving your tithes and offerings. And uh, I look forward to next Sunday. We're going to have a meaningful weekend of worship, um, thinking about Christmas and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you guys. Let's, let's sing a Christmas offering to the Lord, and then we'll be dismissed.